Hey guys, this is Gabe, one of the co-hosts of the Nothing But Nylon podcast powered by Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio. Letting you know that very soon we will be transitioning to our own page. So if you're enjoying our content, be sure to catch us there. Episodes will be releasing on both pages for the next few weeks as we transition over to the new spot. And thank you guys for supporting us as we begin our second season of Nothing But Nylon. Enjoy the episode. And welcome to the second episode of the second season of Nothing But Nylon with Gabe and Tyreek. Tyreek, how you doing today? Kind of a gloomy day, I'm not going to lie. You know, the weather's starting to get cold, but I'm excited to talk some basketball, man. And the Buckeyes are also back in action tonight, so I think after a six-day hiatus, so it's good to see you no know, Buckeyes getting back on the court. I know, starting off 2-0, and really a lot of promising things. We've seen some teams... Drop some games that maybe they were expected to win around the NCAA. So seeing the Buckeyes, a young team, come in, take care of business, and get two really impressive, to say the least, wins against some opponents who they were expected to take care of business against. But for a lot of these players, first college games or first games with this team, really good showing. So I guess we'll start with the first game. I mean, going as far back as possible with Robert Morris. Kind of take me back to that game and tell me a little bit about what stuck out to you. Yeah, man. Um, I think the obvious point that really stuck out was seeing Justice's impact offensively. Because, you know, we, we talk a lot about, like, what we expect from him on the defensive side of the floor. But in that game, he scored 20 points, really took the onus of being the best offensive player on the floor, shot the three-point shot really well. Um, that was something I didn't really expect to see right out the gate. You know, I thought Zach he was really going to assert himself more, which he did have a good game. But um, Justice really took the onus of being the best offensive player, which was good to see. Yeah, I know we have some expectations for him, kind of saying coming off injury, you know, maybe Zedke would be that focal point a little bit more. But we knew both were going to have a pretty significant impact just because, like we keep saying, a lot of new players, and these were the vets, these were the returning guys who you can kind of lean a little bit more on early. But for him to come out and drop a dub in the first game, that had to feel great for him as a person, just coming back from those injuries and then in the first real game that matters. To come out and really perform, really a great thing to see. Uh, somebody I wanted to highlight, I think, as well, was freshman Bryce Sensabaugh, man. He beat me to it. <laughs> I mean, we, were, we, we both gave the same rookie of the year pick, I believe, for Bruce Thornton. True. <laughs> and while there's obviously a lot of games left in the season and not taking anything away from Bruce at all, Bryce has come out and he's showed out. And both of us said he was probably the most naturally talented, most gifted athlete coming into this team. But this quickly, like, I did not expect 17 in your first college game off the bench. 17 points in 17 minutes, like... Yeah. A point per minute is not something you see in somebody's first game at this level very often. Even jumping forward a little bit, I mean, he's averaging a team high, well, tied for a team high with Justice, I think 15.5 points per game so far. Only two games, but like we said last week, the most probably NBA-ready body on this team, I would say. You know, he's a big wing player and kind of, I don't want to say a surprise, but to see him come out the gate so strong as a true freshman, it's pretty impressive, man, because we saw like last season, even as highly touted as man as Malachi Branham was, still took him a little while to like consistently get going in Bryce's first couple of games. He's been very impressive. So 
maybe we have another Malachi situation on our hand, man. A guy coming out of nowhere. Um, I don't, I, I don't see a reason why he would be coming off the bench for much longer. Yeah, honestly, I mean, a big thing we said was like high ceiling, but you would think, okay, come off the bench for a little bit until maybe you get closer to that ceiling, and then you're a top contributor. But you're a top contributor. So at that point, I mean, if you fit in with the lineups, you know, of course you have to look at when you're talking about starters versus the bench, you know, maybe there's something about the bench unit he's playing with or just something about those minutes and those rotations because it only has been two games, so there is still a lot to learn. Maybe there's something that clicks, especially from that perspective, to where maybe it's like, okay, maybe he should stay on the bench for a little bit and that's just the best role for him to really maximize his productivity. But at the same time, like you got to think, they're definitely going to experiment with that. I mean, a guy who plays that good on a team with a lot of opportunity, it's just naturally going to happen, I would think. Yeah, you would think so. And obviously you got to look at the competition that the Buckeyes have played so far. I mean, Robert Morris, Charleston Southern, not not two teams that are, you know, on the same caliber of talent that you're going to play moving forward. Um, but you still got to be impressed with, you know, these are the cards that you're dealt with. You know, you can't control – you know, you can't play a top 25 team every night, so you still got to be able to perform. And for a freshman to come out and do that, very impressive from Bryce and definitely a player that I think will a lot of eyes will be on him moving forward. Yeah, uh, to transition a little bit, too, from a younger player to somebody who's a vet, not necessarily on this roster, but just overall around the NCAA. Ice had himself quite the game as well in that first outing. Uh, you know, I hate to say, like, because people, you know, they like to get on that Draymond Green type thing, a triple single. Yeah. But, like, nine, six, and nine, that's a pretty good stat line because I think a lot of stuff we saw from him was, like, sort of more of that all-around work, not going to be, like, your top scorer. I know we expected, like, some solid assist numbers from him, kind of with him and Bruce going back and forth with that rule. But then also to almost have a double-double with rebounds at the same time is just showing, like, while other guys may have specialties on this roster, his all-around play is going to end up being very impactful, and I think we're seeing that early. Yeah, I saw I saw there was a video of him before the game. A fan asked him if he was nervous, and he was like, I'm not going to say the word, but basically he said, yeah, he was nervous, very nervous. So, um, you know, but for him to have that performance, you know, in his first game, just showing a little bit of everything, man, I mean, stuff in the stat sheet. Um, you like to see that from a veteran player, you know, a transfer player coming to the to a new program, just doing whatever it takes to help the team win. And it might not be, you know, scoring 15 points or, you know, even getting double-digit points. It might be, you know, hitting the boards really hard, you know, trying to set up his teammates for easier opportunities and playing solid defense. And that's all you can really ask for, you know, really setting the tone, setting, you know, kind of a culture for this new team, um, you know, because so many new faces are there. So you really like to see that from ICE. And, you know, moving forward, hopefully, you know, that's – if that's his role, I think he's going to play that to the highest of levels that he can possibly do. Yeah, then, you know, talking about the team as a whole and everybody playing their roles, I kind of want to highlight just because this is a Chris Holtman system and something he's known for is taking a lot of outside shots. Buckeyes in that first game, 10 for 21, almost 50% from three, and that was like a third of their shots, 21 out of 61 to show that you're taking it outside often and they're hitting these shots. Now, we'll see as you go against different defenses and get a little bit further into the season how that continues to progress and if they can maintain that level of consistency. Because, I mean, 47% for a season, that would be really high. 
with the fact that you're shooting so hot now, as that maybe comes down to earth a little bit and balances out, I think they still have shown early that they have potential to be a really good shooting team. And for the scheme they're running, I think that is very promising to look at. Yeah, that would be the hope. I mean, you know, Justice hit a couple threes. Zed hit the first two threes of his career, if I'm not mistaken. Um, maybe a little bit of, you know, EJ type of syndrome, like, you know, coming back, being a better jump shooter, which, you know, would definitely be a big help for this team. Um, but, yeah, that's that's the Holman way, man. Like, you, his teams are going to shoot threes. I mean, even like 21 attempts probably seems like a low number for them. Um, but there were some other things that they definitely can still clean up on, like losing the turnover battle, not ideal. Um, and missing eight free throws, man. You know, if you know me, I, I hate missed free throws. I hate missed free throws. And I know Coach Holman probably hates them even more. So, you know, definitely want to clean up those two areas, man, because those are two things that once you get into conference play, tournament play, those win and lose two games. So definitely still some things that the Buckeyes can clean up with. But the first game was a pretty impressive performance and only giving up th- 53 points. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, free throws especially. That's like, I think it's a lot harder of a skill than most people make it out to be. But at the end of the day, at this level, I think it it is almost a requirement to be a high-impact player that you can make those free throws. Because what's it always come down to at the end of the game? You know, get down to some late-game fouls, go to the stripe, really trying to protect the lead late. If you can't make those free throws, like you you're basically you become unplayable so it's just important for any player and for any team to have reliable not just free throw shooting throughout the game but especially in those late game crunch time situations like you're saying when you're in tournaments when you're in those close conference matchups that may make you either a three seed in the big 10 tournament or like a seven seed in the big 10 tournament it's really in a conference like this and you're splitting hairs that closely something as small as like eight missed free throws like an eight-point swing, even say a five-point swing, if you're making five more of those shots and you're just like somewhere in like high 70s, 80s, somewhere like that, even at that point, that's going to swing you a lot of games. I mean, you think of last year's Ohio State team, a couple made free throws could have won them a game against Purdue or won them a couple other close games that maybe they dropped as a part of that end-of-season slide. And so improving free throw shooting and just getting those small points and those easy buckets where you can is definitely something that you might not see the impact of now because you're winning games by 30-plus points, 25 points. But as you get into those top matchups, that's going to be vital. And they definitely they cleaned it up, like, moving forward to against Charles and Southern. They cleaned it up. They made 16 of 18. But, you know, I think it's good to use these games against lower-level competition to really, you know, obviously assert your dominance against them, but – just use them to work out some, you know, kinks, work out some wrinkles and stuff that maybe has been a struggle, you know, maybe during, you know, preseason and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, let's move on to the next game, Gabe. Um, this one, pretty much the same story, you know, big, a big victory for Ohio State. Anything stand out to you that was very noteworthy? Well, on, like, one hand, if you just look at the macro, same story, big blowout team that you're expected to beat against probably a big spread I don't really cover gambling at all but probably a big spread I'm sure they covered whatever that spread was but the way they won the game was definitely different to say the least still lost a turnover battle not something you like to see but then like I just said a few minutes ago taking a 30 year shots from outside and making a lot of them 
that was not this game. This time it was only around a fourth of their shots, and they were not hitting. 26% from three as opposed to the 47% from the first game. I mean, that's pretty much as much of a two-sided coin as you can get. And while, yeah, you said, like, this game they made up for it with the free throws, which is something you like to see because then when you have a poor shooting night like that, maybe the free throws are what pushes you ahead. Obviously not too much of a difference in this exact game. But really just across the board, like, different from that just super hot shooting night, seems like a little bit more physical of a win. Talking about almost doubling the rebounds, you know, winning the offensive rebound battle. Then 18 free throws, that's almost double the amount of free throws that Charleston Southern took. It's really got the win, got the big win. So in the grand scheme, similar outcome if you just look at the score. But when you look at the actual details of it, two incredibly different performances from these teams. Yeah, um, you said something like toughness has kind of been a, a thing so far this season, which I'm not saying last that last year's team wasn't tough, but I think defensively this team has the makings to be better um, because a lot of what we talked about last season was kind of how if the game's gotten to like being a shootout, it's bad news for Ohio State. You know, we talked about that a lot, and it seemed like a lot of their losses ended up being, you know, where they just couldn't get stops, you know, couldn't get consistent stops. I think this team has the makings, at least so far. It's only two games. On paper, I feel like they have the chance to be one of the better defensive teams in the Big Ten because they have bigger wings this year. Um, they have more bodies that are probably more playable than what they had last year. So I think if an injury does happen, they'll be able to replace that production. So I think right now I think they have the chance to be a better defensive team than last season. Now, I don't have the numbers put up in front of me what the team was defensively last season, but from my memory, from what I watched, I feel like this team can be better. I mean, yeah, right now, giving up somewhere in the low to mid-50s per game, it's pretty good, pretty solid number, especially when you think they're playing at a solid pace, you know, putting up really big number totals themselves. So usually you think, okay, maybe if you're playing that fast and the other team's just getting that many opportunities, you know, the points are going to come. But they're still putting up just overall pretty solidly low numbers, like giving up on the defensive end, I mean. And so just from that perspective, like it looks good. Like you said, the caveat of still being early in the season and you're not playing against, you know, Purdue or Illinois or another like premier Big Ten team. But still across the board, like a pretty good thing to see. Then I think still missing a guy who I think can be a really solid wing defender for them and Gene Brown. Well, add just another piece to that puzzle, just another body you can throw out there and put on somebody and probably have some really good defensive lineups with this team overall. Yeah, and also just letting the freshmen and the transfers get even more acclimated, I think will help with that. But the first two games is pretty much what we, what we expected, I would say. Yeah, so, uh, something I wanted just to bring up, just for you to touch on real quick. Saw a pretty solid Sean McNeil game. I think you were pretty high My on him God. before the season, kind of had him in some uh, – some award talks last week. So, what do you think of him? Impressive, man. Um, I like to see him get more shot opportunities. I like in game two, half of his attempts were from downtown, which I think should be a staple. And he's a little cool defensively when he's on the court. The team's been playing well. Um, very impressed with him so far. And he's not he's not trying to do too much, which I think maybe could be an issue as a transfer coming to a new situation. You might try and do too much. He hasn't done that, man. He's been staying within his role. And I think he's only going to build on that, man. I think his percentages are only going to be higher. I think his confidence is only going to go up. 
And, you know, he's starting right now, which I think shows a lot of confidence that the coaching staff has in him. So, you know, I think, you know, sky's, sky's the limit for him, man. I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table. Yeah, I think saying, like, half of his attempts from downtown, I think even in the future, you could see him take, like, 80% of his shots from downtown. Like, when you really get into it and everybody's really playing that super defined role, like, when you're out there against Charleston Southern, you know, maybe you can just experiment with some stuff. Maybe he's taking it inside. But if you're up against, like, Indiana, he might just sit on the three-point line and just kill them from downtown all game. And he's probably going to shoot a pretty good percentage doing it. So it's like having that weapon in your back pocket I think will be pretty pretty impactful for them going forward. Definitely, man. You, you know that's my guy, you know. Mess with, he's hit seven threes so far to start. Or so, I'm sorry, seven shots so far, four of eight from downtown. It's been cool, but I think I think he should be taking probably like six, seven threes a game, honestly. Yeah, besides him, I think a lot of the other players on the team is kind of a lot of the same big contributors. So maybe you're starting to see a little bit of some roles carved out early, like some of Ice's all-around work, Zed Key putting up double-double, pretty big numbers. Justice Suing scored double digits again, so, you know, he's going to be a scoring presence. Like, a lot of the same takeaways. Bryce played really well off the bench again as he continues to progress. So, you know, maybe you see just already, like, we might get a Sean McNeil game where he's one of those outside contributors, but maybe we get two, three months into the season and the top three scorers on this team just consistently end up being Zed, Justice, and Bryce. Do you think that's, like, out of the question? Do you think those three might not hold? Or what's your thoughts on that? I think they'll hold up just because of opportunity and probably confidence right now. I mean, we know Zed's going to be more or less the focal point. Um, but if Justice keeps playing the way he has, and if if Bryce stays in that bench role, I, I could see that definitely being the case. Because he seems, I mean, at least so far, he's been the most consistent piece off the bench. And if he stays in that role, that will probably continue moving forward. Yeah, I think that is the big caveat is him staying on the bench. If he moves to the starting lineup like you were sort of insinuating earlier, I do think maybe you could see like a Tanner Holden come in and maybe take that like third top scorer spot just because somebody's going to be scoring when those bench lineups are out there. And if that's not Bryce, I think Tanner might be the next most equipped to do that depending on who they move down from the starting lineup. Yeah, got to see more from Tanner, you know. Only a couple games, but... Just want to see a little bit more. I think he only had two points last game, didn't hit a shot. Just want to see a little yeah, bit more from him. Not the most standout performance last game, but I think from what we've seen with him throughout his NCAA career and in some of the scrimmages, like he has something to offer. You know, obviously he's getting consistent minutes for a reason. Like I think he's still gonna be one of the premier faces on this bench unit. But it might just take a while to get going, you know. I think at this point in the season, it's like, you know, you want to highlight those positives and are like, okay, yeah, this guy's really clicking fast and these things are really going well right now. But then on the negatives, it's like, you know, I don't want to be too harsh to be critical Definitely. because he just transferred from somewhere who, where he was for quite a while and his role was completely different. For sure. I mean, just being nitpicky, I mean, you got to have something negative to say so far. Like I mentioned the turnovers and the free throws in the first game. Got to have a little something negative, but um, I think he will pick it up because he's a vet. He's adjusting to a new role. He's probably just, you know, trying to feel it out a little bit. Probably good that he's not trying to do too much right now because that could take away from what Bryce has done or, you know, it just might continue to hinder his play if he's trying to, you know, be more out of his game than, you know, 
what's necessary. So, you know, only a couple games, man. Um, If I would – I would say he would probably have his best game of the season tonight against Eastern Illinois if I was if I was a betting man, which I'm not. Here's a solid prediction. Well, I guess, I guess we can – Save that for when it comes up, because it definitely will come up in this episode. But I guess keep keep note of that. But I li- I really do like your point there, regarding like not trying to do too much and letting the players around you develop. Because you know, like when you're on the court with a bunch of young guns, and you have been around and really been developing in the NCAA for that long. Yeah, I guess in these early season matchups, yeah, you might want to say, hey, you guys go out here, get acclimated, like do as much as you can and really try to show out and carve yourself out a role. Because I know who I am. Like I've been doing this for a while, you know, still obviously trying to find your place on this roster. But just as far as finding yourself a spot just in this entire like level of basketball. Yeah, I guess talking about like the needs of the team as a whole, maybe big scoring numbers aren't really what he needs to do right now, but then that will come up as the season progresses where they do need to rely on him. Yeah, and he, he knows what's best. You know, one thing about, at least from when I talk to him, you know, he's somebody that's team first, you know, team first guy. So, you know, definitely we'll continue to see his, like, I think confidence will expand, you know, and he'll probably find his offensive game sooner than later. Okay, I guess with that, do we want to go towards preview time? Yeah, man, let's go ahead. You know, even though by the time this episode is released, the final score would be noted, but let's talk about what we expect to see. So I heard, I hear you have an article ready for us. Uh, Yeah, I was just looking at, like, 11 Warriors preview a little bit, kind of seeing some of what they were saying, some things they expect. I think uh, first thing I wanted to bring attention to that they reported on was, like, just the fact that Gene Brown's still going to be out. Hopefully we see him back within the next like week or so and just as soon as they can get him back you know like we said last week always err on the side of caution with especially when it comes to concussions and things like that knowing the impact that holds in sports right now but a player that this podcast big fans yeah really really <laughs> enjoys seeing that style of play so just another wing guy once he gets back which is something that this program did not really have last year was a lot of wing players to choose from yeah no i think they also had like a segment in this article where it's like three important Buckeyes. And I didn't even really fully look at this all the way. Okay. But looking at it now, it's like three important Buckeyes. First one, Zed Key, somebody we talked about, play a big role. Second, Bryce Sensible. So I'll play a big And it's not like these are hard predictions to make, you know? It's not. But let's do our own then. Three most important guys tonight. Three most important guys tonight. I think after Bryce had two big games, I think it might be somebody else. I think it might be somebody else. I mentioned Tanner earlier. I think he's going to have a nice game tonight. Uh, I'll put him first. I think he's. I think he'll be important tonight because I think we might get a big ice game. Like scoring wise, like you might, you know. I think we can see a double double. I think we can see a double double with rebounds. Either of them, because that's just his game. Okay, and I think um, you got those two. We're going straight away from the obvious guys, the guys that are all averaging 15 points a game. We're going straight away from them. Um, I think I think Sean hits four threes tonight. I think it goes like four for four for nine. Hits a couple more shots. I think he has a nice game. Hopefully at least one of these age well. And if they don't, you know, we didn't really give a tenor, like, you know, stat. You know, I, I think he'll hit double digits tonight. I think that would be good for him. Well, you think, Sam, 
Tanner Holden, 12 points. Ice, double-double. And Sean, Sean McNeil, four threes. Yeah. That's our nothing but nylon three stats of the game. Do not take this to, to Vegas, though. You know, sports gambling is not I mean, legal. you really can't take it to <laughs> Vegas because this is like people can listen to this and see if we're stupid or not because True. the game is going to have occurred by the time they hear this. So I think those are viable picks. And if what you said was true before we started recording, Eastern Illinois is one of the worst 10 teams in the country, according to some people. According to some metrics. According yeah. to some <laughs> metrics. Now, I'm not going to come out and, like, uh, crap on some team, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, definitely expect a big win. I don't think this will be one of the times where we come on next episode and it's like, ah, just straight disappointment. Which, I, I mean, last season... From what I remember, like, I don't even think Ohio State lost a game until they had a couple ranked matchups. I think down in Florida, winning against, like, Seton Hall. And I think might have been Florida or somebody back-to-back. I think we – not we. I think they beat Florida. And I think it was Seton Hall. And we also – we they also lost to Xavier. Um, in the road, in a road game, like kind of early last season. Man, Tyreek used to say, "We man, like <laughs> working for the Blue Jackets." I know you're probably yeah. in that that sort of you work for the team now type mentality. Stuck a lot. in that mode, man. Just had Stuck a game last mode. night. Shout to shout to the Jackets. Um, <laughs> some quick Eastern Illinois trivia. Um, they have two like prom, prominent NFL quarterbacks that went there. Can you name them? And they're both within your lifetime. Eastern Illinois? Yes. There ain't no way. Yes. Um, one of them is still active. He's played in the Super Bowl recently within the last four years. Tell me there was an Eastern Illinois quarterback that played in the Super Bowl. In the Super Bowl. That's like... I feel like I'm okay with knowing where like pro players went to college in basketball, especially yeah. doing this show and stuff like okay. that. But it's <laughs> like it, you're gonna tell me it's like if it's not like Jimmy Garoppolo or something. It is Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I'm guess. a genius. I'm a genius. <laughs> I'm a genius. Guess. The other one, um, he he was a very hated quarterback. You know, he was pretty good. Just played for a very hateful team that a lot of people don't like, and he's currently on TV calling games. Uh, it sounds like Tony Romo. It is Tony Romo. <laughs> I say, yeah. Well, you said calling games and hated team, and I'm like, yeah, how about them? Cowboys? Maybe I gave too many hints, but no, nobody knows a lot about Eastern Illinois, to be honest. Hey, man, show respect to the opponents, Tyree. Come on. Just I'm just keeping it a bug, man. Um, hopefully they um put out a valiant effort, though, tonight. You know, watch. It's, like, it's going to end up like, you see, like, I think it was Louisville lost that game against a team that yeah. doesn't dribble. Yeah. Um, like that's kind of like I forgot what the school was called, but I think they're like in this. I think they're like in the same area of Kentucky. So yeah, that's they that said was Bob Cousy couldn't play in the modern day. He couldn't. Bob Cousy would be French toast. If Bob Cousy, let's, let's, he let's, could play on that team. Let's not get into that. He could definitely play on that. If they beat a team, they beat a prominent team without dribbling at Blue, all. I don't think Louisville's prominent anymore. They're staying on the ACC right now. <laughs> they lost. Remember? Still like a Power 5 program. They lost their exhibition game, which is usually against a D2 or D3 school. I think the school they played was D2. All right. 
I guess maybe not prominent in terms of how good they, they are got right handled. now. I think they lost by like ten. All right, not prominent in how good they are right now, but like a well-known. Like if you saw Louisville and that team on paper, you're thinking Louisville yeah. by twenty. I mean, sure, if you haven't watched college basketball in the last few years, sure, sure. <laughs> that's that's is it? It'd be the casuals who bet the most, man. I guess. Watch. I guess bet against Louisville. Definitely bet against the spread. That, that's my advice. That's our best. <laughs> nothing but <laughs> nylon betting advice. Yeah, that's my advice. But yeah, um, I'm expecting more of the same from Ohio State though against the Eastern Illinois. But you know, just hopefully some other guys can kind of get going because we've seen the main three 15 point per game scores do their thing. But you know, we need to see a little more Tanner, a little more Sean. Maybe Ice have a scoring night. You know, just. I want to see some, you know, more flashes from these guys. Maybe even another freshman. Maybe Roddy Gill gets going. Hey. Or Felix has a nice game. You know, maybe we'll see that. All right. So, like, probably a big win after that. San Diego State. After that. Cincy, right? Nope. Am I missing the game in between? Ohio State against San Diego State, and then Ohio State against Duke. Ohio State plays Duke next Wednesday. Yes. Yes. At Duke. Um, actually, we might as well preview this now. That's not next Wednesday. That's two Wednesdays. Two Wednesday. Oh, I'm not reading the. Oh, cause Thanksgiving. So I just saw Wednesday. Okay, so we can. You are right, but there's the Maui in between that, so we're still a little bit of a ways away. But I mean, but will we have an episode out before then? We should. Okay. Yes. Oh, wait, no, we're not on campus next week. That's true. We're not on campus next week, huh? Mm, that's tough. Virtual episode? Duke's we a big game. Have to, we might have to. I think, I think we, we can't save that then, but we will have to keep that in mind for some Thanksgiving break content. Yeah, Duke is a big, big-time game. Plus the Maui in between that, yeah. However, if I actually am able to read this time, San Diego Apologies. State within the next week. How do you feel about that? First test. Um, San Diego State, traditionally very good defensive team. Ranked 17th in the country right now. That's not going to be an easy game, but I think that's a good first test. You know, you kind of play these kind of, I guess, feel it out games against lower-level competition. Um, there will be three of them after tonight. And then you get your, you know, first real deal game. Neutral site, Maui. I like it. You know, I think win or lose, I like that matchup. Yeah. I know, like, last season it was a loss to Florida. I think a loss to Xavier not too long after. Something like that. Pretty sure it was Xavier because I think it was at the Centos. It was at Xavier. Uh, But even if this isn't a win, like we saw last year, that Ohio State lost some early ranked matchups. Not all of them, of course. Victories against Dukes, uh, Seton Hall, I believe. Oh. I might be back and forth on that. One of them so was like one of them was the Michi game winner. Yeah. The other one was a loss. So here it is: um, loss at Xavier, and then the Fort Myers tip off, which was the Florida one. Win against Seton Hall, and then a loss against Florida. Both three point games, and then the win against Duke. So yeah, it's like. Win or lose, I think that will be a learning experience for a young team. 
you know, if you're really not expecting to be like a national contender and you're more so just like, let's see if we can be something in the Big Ten. That's a good testing ground. I think you play number 17, solid matchup, first test, like you said. Go into Duke. It's going to be in the case. That's going to be a tough one. That's as not number seven. Like, that's going to be really tough. And then, you know, as you get into like December, I'm seeing a nice little matchup with number one. It's like, you know, might take some. Might take some solid L's. Dude. Now, if they manage to win one of those games, like Columbus is going to be on top of the world. I'll say this right now. As a known North Carolina basketball fan, I'll say this right now. Um, the way the two teams are playing right now, if they played right now, Ohio State would have a really good chance of winning that game. Hmm. Like a very good chance of winning that game. Both are playing the same kind of tier of competition. And Ohio State, OSU's looked a lot better than North Carolina has so far. Interesting take, interesting take. And, like, the Duke matchup, going into Cameron is very tough. But depending on, I think, how the Maui Invitational goes, I think we'll have a, a better sense of what to expect from that matchup. So, exciting, I, man. Big I just like games. the good teams are scheduled, man. Yeah. Like, you know – you don't want to see Ohio State versus random team from random place every week. You want to see you want to see Ohio State play Duke. You want to see Ohio State play North Carolina. You know these teams that like have real college basketball fan bases, real blue bloods. They're playing against players that are probably going to be in the NBA in two years. Like that's really solid, not just to watch, but then just for the team to get better. Like that, that's really really exciting. To think about, and I know we did yeah. see some of that last year with the scheduling, but yeah, I think really my biggest thing going into these next couple of matchups is like Eastern Illinois. Like, yeah, it'll be cool, it'll be fun. But after that, like, you really get you you're getting into the meat of it. Got the gauntlet coming up, and then that's even before Big Ten play, which we know is right. Like, even before Big Ten play, like matchup against Rutgers on December eighth. Which is Rutgers? Be, I mean, Rutgers beat Ohio State. It's not. I don't think it'll count on the Big Ten record, like for this season, because I think the way they like separate off conference play. I think last year there was like an early matchup against either Wisconsin it or was. Indiana or something that did not count on like at least on Ohio State's website. Like they didn't put it on interest their conference record. Yeah, because we play or they play Rutgers again at Rutgers. But yeah, like Rutgers took away a win from Ohio State last year, so then to have that match up again and I know obviously several players have left both teams you know certain certain Rutgers players on my Raptors now so only one matchup with Michigan this year interesting overall though it's just like a lot of proving ground a lot of fun matchups and it's like okay I know big teams start the season on that ramp up but it's finally about to get into the meat of the season. Still gotta handle business though, man. But yeah, we got we'll have a lot of high level basketball to talk about real soon, man. Very excited for that. But um I got a couple quick shout out a couple quick um tidbits to to talk about, man. Um Jamal Brown, I'll be honest, not really familiar with him, but four year starter at Ohio State. 127 games played in the late 80s early 90s so i think he probably crossed paths with like 
the Fab Five at some point, if my timeline is correct. So those are some really good Ohio State teams. Um, he passed away at the age of 52, man. So, you know, rest in peace, former Ohio State captain. Send our condolences to his family, anybody affected. And I also want to shout out the Ohio State women's basketball team because they've been playing some really, really, really good basketball to start the season. Um, there's one stat. They forced 32 and a half turnovers per game to start the year. Per game. That's per 65 turnovers. 65 game. turnovers forced in two games. That's that's insane. That's like, to give some context, that's like a very, very good AAU basketball team playing against a very, very bad AAU basketball team. But keep in mind, they also play a top five team in the nation to start the season. I think if I try to dribble on Chris Paul. Pretty much, yeah. That that's that's like the context right there. So like thirty, yeah, thirty turnovers like yeah. that. That's not like that's like Will Chamberlain graphic. That's in in two games. That's insane. Even forcing thirty turnovers in one game is crazy. Then you keep in mind you played against Tennessee, who was I think ranked number five to start the season. That's very impressive, man. So OSU women's hoops is definitely also a great start. Um, I, I got to see them in their, their exhibition game because I was working for Big Ten Plus, and they almost won by, like, 100 points in that game. That's like, that reminds me of the uh, – you know that, like, that picture, like, when it was the Mamba Academy? And it's, like, that picture, yeah. and it's, like, a 100-point win, and it's, like, they beat us by two last year. <laughs> it took it personal. Yeah. It's like Hoss, a personal. Hoss, Hoss State Women's Hoops, they looking nice, man, so – Definitely tune into them. Go to a game if you're able to because that might be one of the best teams, not only in the Big Ten, but in the country this hey, year. Hey, we know we know their beat rider personally, man. We do. Might might have to get a guest appearance on the pod. Might have to, man. We might have to turn this into nothing but nylon featuring all Ohio State basketball talk because they've been playing really, really good. I was good. Gonna say, man, I don't have the most expertise now, but connect with an expert source like that, do a little bit of research, and I think that would probably be a worthy endeavor that I think not only would be fun for us, but fun for people to listen to. For sure. Just, just wanted to shout them out, man, because they've been playing really well. A couple of Ohio State teams undefeated right now, and the football team's still undefeated too, so Ohio State sports is looking very, very good. Yes, on the up, you know, I, we will see how that keeps up. As time goes on, you know, ranked matchup before the next time we see each other. Yes. So maybe come in three and one, maybe really bad things happen. Come in two and two. If we come in next episode looking at four and oh, gonna have some probably real positive things to say. I'll tell you that. There's this only way I'm coming in the next week is probably either neutral because I'm expecting. Probably a loss against San Diego State. But it's either neutral or incredibly positive. I think it's a really good place to be. I think the only way, like, we'll come in, like, with one of those episodes where we're just questioning everything about this team, like we did last season after, like, Nebraska and Penn State games, is if, like, they play against San Diego State and they just play terrible. That's that's the only way I think I'll, I'll come in here like, yeah. I'm worried about this team. But other than that, I, I don't think they will because I think right now this team's finding their identity and guys are kind of stepping up and they have another matchup in between that which will help confidence build even more. So or at least it should. Still gotta play the game, but that's just what I'm expecting as a analyst right now. All right, man. Anything else for you this episode? Um, continue to support. Um 
wherever you listen to us, if you can rate us five stars, we would appreciate it. And yeah, you know, you know, we'll be back next week with another episode. Yes. So with that being said, this has been episode two of season two of the Nothing But Nylon podcast with Gabe and Tyreek, powered by the Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio Network. So with all that, thank you for listening. And until next time, keep hitting Nothing But Nylon. We'll see you next week.